0: Well, thanks for your uh, most gracious uh, welcome here to Asbury, particularly through Mark. Uh, I bumped into Mark in various cities of the world, uh, Kuala Lumpur, uh, Nairobi, Jakarta, and now uh, Wilmore, Kentucky. Um, hopefully the next one will be Bangalore. I don't have much uh, Methodism in my, in my bloodstream, I'm sorry, um, but my father, when he knew God's call to be a missionary surgeon in India. Christ on the Indian Road in the 1940s was a a huge influence on him. And a generation earlier, my wife's grandfather uh, learned Hindi in the Himalayas of India with E. Stanley Jones, and they were good friends. And at Syax, Barbie and I live in the E. Stanley Jones apartment, so that's gotta be good for something. When I was uh, a little boy, there was a song that uh, we would sing in Sunday school that was inspired by Noah's Ark. The rains came down and the floods came up. And after lots of repetition and plenty of silly actions depicting raining and flooding, uh, we would then make this hermeneutical leap with an application to our lives, that the blessings come down and the prayers go up. Not sure that's what Noah's Ark is about, um, but it is what Psalm 67 is about, and that's what I want to to look with you this morning. Look at verse 1, where we find the blessings come down. Look at the, the three phrases using the word us. God be gracious to us, God bless us, and God make his face shine upon us. The idea is that God turns His face towards us, to listen to us, to to focus on us, to show us favor, to keep His eye on us, His hand on us, and as the message says, to smile on us. And sometimes with these things, thinking about the opposite helps us understand more clearly. And of course the opposite in in the Scriptures is that dreadful thought of God hiding his face from us. We have two grandchildren. I arrive home in New Zealand uh, next Wednesday uh, on <coughs> our Micah's third birthday. And um, what does Micah do when he wants to get grandpa's attention? I'm talking, I'm distracted, he's frustrated, and he reaches up and he indents my cheeks with his chubby little finger. And he turns my head to what he is doing, physically turns my head so that he can hear my word of favor and see my smile on whatever it is that he is wanting. God make his face turn his face to shine upon us by choosing to smile His blessing down uh, into our lives. Of course, this blessing has a history, doesn't it? It has a past. It's come down before. It's an echo an earlier blessing. You remember Aaron? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Every wedding I've ever taken has ended with that benediction. When I come to a new wedding, I say, go on, Paul, take a risk, do something different, be innovative, and I can't. What could you say to a newly married couple (laughs) that is better than the Aaronic blessing. And this psalm starts with blessings coming down. And so assured are some of these blessings that they actually turn this into a song of thanksgiving. So he blesses us. Yes, he does. And for them back then it would be things like land and crops and wealth and and children, victory, on and on it goes, all kinds of ways in which they knew the blessing of God. But as with the song from my childhood, we need to ask, is there anything going up as well? And of course, in the psalm there is. Not so much prayers, but praises. Praises go up in verses 3 and 4. And notice a couple of things about these praises. The first thing is that the praise is intensifying as you work through these verses. The writer of this psalm could not put words in bold, he couldn't underline, he couldn't italicize, so what does he do? What did writers and poets do in that day? They repeated themselves. And they repeated themselves with just little creative changing of words. And for their listeners when they heard this, this communicated emphasis, emotion, intensity and it increased the impact of what they were saying. And the growing intensity through verses 3 and down into the first half of 4, you know, "May may all the peoples praise you, may the nations be glad. There's this growing intensification of the praise. But also notice how it's spreading. The circle is widening. It's not just Israel, it's the peoples, it's the nations that are praising here. And if the blessing coming down takes us back to Aaron in number 6, then the praise going up takes us forward to Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Because we are told in Acts 2 verse 5 that the peoples gather from every nation under heaven. And if you look carefully at the geography from verse 8 of Acts 2, it kind of moves from east to west through five groupings of people, from those up by the Caspian Sea, and as we heard yesterday, uh, Iran, then across Asia Minor, North Africa, Rome, and Arabs, and Cretans. And you can kind of sense God looking and thinking, wow, all of these people gathered together. This would be a great time to send my spirit because when they scatter back home again, they can take my spirit with them and it can keep spreading. And that's what happens. The praise intensifies here, but the praise also spreads. And you know, I find that it's common for people to think that the praise spreads, as the gospel kind of plods its way westward through the book of Acts from Jerusalem to Rome. A bit like a a single pebble's ripple in a pool as the gospel settles down into life in Europe to give us a Western religion. (laughs) Of course, we know that's not true. At no point in its history has Christianity ever been predominantly Western or white. And this goes all the way back to the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit, the Gospel, went home with all these different people. It's not like a pebble thrown into a pool. It's like a bucket of gravel thrown into a pool. And it's been like that ever since, as the praise going up just keeps spreading. And this psalm finishes with the ends of the earth fearing God. And that's me from New Zealand. The ends of the earth. (laughs) From the Middle East, it is the ends of the earth. It has spread that far. It took its time getting to us. At Christmas, we celebrated the 200th year of the arrival of the gospel. But God is very gracious. The blessing coming down may have reached us last. But because of the way the time zones work, the praise going up starts with us. <laughs> so Psalm 67. Blessings coming down in verse 1 and praises going up in verses 3 and 4. Is that all the psalm is about? Blessing and praise, down and up, are these the only directions in which this psalm moves us? No, they're not. And we need to come back to the text and have a look at how the blessing has a purpose and the praise has a cause. There are little words in the text which mean so much they answer the question, why? Why the blessing? Why, why the praise? And we read in verse 1 that may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that your words ways may be known on earth and your salvation among all nations. It's an echo of Genesis 12, isn't it? Psalm 67 is Genesis 12, Remixed. It's the same ideas. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great. And it goes on. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. These verses are so important. One person has actually said that Genesis 12, 1-3 is the text which the rest of scripture explains. (laughs) Barbie and I started in pastoral ministry 30 years ago this year. We were on the south coast of the South Island. You need to have a reason to go there. Um, and, and we did. God called us. We arrived on the very same weekend <clears throat> as a, um, another pastor starting in a Baptist church. And he just retired last month, so he's been there 30 years. And I have no idea at all about what I preached on in my first Sunday as a pastor. I just don't remember but I have as clear as day memory of what Brian preached on across the city. Because it was in the Southland Times on the Saturday, the title and the passage, Genesis 12, 1 to 3, and his title, Blessed to be a Blessing. Never forgotten it. As if to say, this is how I'd like church to work for us. Genesis 12 is a big deal. It's true for Abraham, it's true for the Israelites of the Old Testament, and it's true for us as well. God's blessing of his people has a purpose. There is a plan behind it. It has not changed that the ways of God, the salvation of God might be known through all the earth. That's why he blesses us. That's why you are here, enjoying one of the great blessings, a seminary-level education in theology. One of the great blessings today. And it has a purpose, that the ways of God, the salvation of God, may be known through all the peoples of the world. If the blessing has a purpose, the praise has a cause. In verse 3 May the peoples praise you. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. Why? For you rule the peoples justly and you guide the nations of the earth. This intensifying and spreading praise among the peoples of the world, this rising tide of worship, even from those at the ends of the earth, it has a cause. And the cause is found in two pictures of God, that God is king. He rules, he governs with justice in a world where there is so much that is going wrong. Right at this moment today, he reigns and that God is shepherd. Probably what's behind the talk of he guides, that it is in his nature to offer the comprehensive care that comes with being a shepherd, guiding and feeding and loving and protecting. It goes on and on and on. Is there anything that is needed more in this world of ours than a king and a shepherd? Like this. Later this week is the centenary of the Armenian Genocide. Even Hitler himself, as he gathered a rationale for his own genocidal aspirations, once asked, who, after all, speaks today of the annihilation of the Armenians? And so let's see, if they don't remember the Armenians, they won't remember the Jews. And he got that wrong. But have we remembered the Jews and forgotten the Armenians? 1.5 million Christians, where the word genocide was invented. A people that desperate for a king and a shepherd. Last night I went into Lexington to meet a young man called Rufin. I met Rufin on YouTube. He was being filmed about his story as a Congolese refugee making his way through Kampala and onto the US. He met my son in Kampala working amongst refugee children. And through my son, I've become aware of this. Awful Holocaust in Eastern DRC. Up to six million people have died in the last 20 years. And he's giving his life to those people. And in that YouTube clip, which I've watched so many times, Rufin speaks of my son as an angel. And last night, I held his baby in my arms with the name Stephen. It was a really special moment. You know, as we move among the badness, the madness, and the sadness of our world, near and far, physically or virtually, yesterday, today, or tomorrow, is there anything that is needed more than someone who rules with justice and someone who guides with care? Hurry up, God! And of course, in its fullest form, this is Jesus himself, the King of kings, the great shepherd of the sheep. And it is this very combo that is found in the picture of heaven in Revelation chapter 7, that he who sits on the throne, the king, will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So what is Psalm 67 about? Blessing and praise? Yes. And there's still more of that in the verses that follow. But there's more to Psalm 67 and the coming down and the going up of the song of my childhood. Because in this psalm we get caught up in what God says about his mission in the world, moving out. And these little words that mean just so much. Because verse 2 moves us out among the peoples of the earth, desperate for the Savior's salvation, that is the purpose behind us being blessed. And verse 4, moves us out into the peoples of the world. Desperate for the king's justice and the shepherd's guidance, that is the reason behind our praise. I'm a simple chap. You know what a chap is? Yeah, yes. I like seeing truths in pictures, however imperfect those pictures may be. And you know what picture comes to mind when I look at this psalm? an elevator. Going up and coming down. I see the people of God gathered together in this elevator. Takes a little bit of imagination. Imagine the entire Asbury Seminary community gathered in this elevator. Zooming down, going up, boom, boom, blessings and praise, it's party time, it's cool to be a Christian. The gathered community of the people of God, in the elevator, having a good time. Except that this elevator is an external elevator, stuck on the outside of a building, where the walls are windows on the world. And it's not just the mouths now that are open as we go up and down. It's the eyes that are open as well as we take in what we see at different levels with different horizons, near and far, and then when we get to the ground floor, we burst out of the door of that elevator, finished with the gathering and now scattering into the world. Why? Because we know the reason why we are blessed. We know the reason why we were in that elevator to begin with. It is so that we can be part of the salvation of the peoples of the world. And it's because we know the reason why we are praising in that elevator. It is because God is experienced in our lives as king and as shepherds. Actually, do you know when the psalm was used in the, the Jewish Sabbath routine? Very interesting. This psalm was often sung as the last thing on their Sabbath, to help them move from the gathering to the scattering, out of the elevator and into the world, to remind them that the purpose of down and up is out. Let's pray together. As we pray, I'd like you to reflect on just a a question, a thought that I'd like you to take with you. Could you think deeply and sincerely about the area of your life where you know God's biggest blessing? Where has he blessed you the most? And from this word this morning, I want to challenge you to consider how in that very area, he may be asking you to make your biggest commitment to his mission in the world. What will that look like for you? Are you ready to make that kind of commitment to God? We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.